0: Why don't you just take my blood? Yes, I'm old. So what is it then? What is Paul saying? Like uh, it's whatever he's told the Galatians, right? He said, give according to what I told the Galatians for that purpose. Okay, so what was it then? What 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 was the cause that the Corinthians had to give to? Well, he mentioned Galatians, right? So where should we go to? Galatians, right? So we quickly go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 10. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. Okay, so the purpose of the Corinthians gifts were to support the poor, whether it be back in Jerusalem where the disciples were or abroad. Okay, so okay, let's blast back to our present time. So these causes would be very overt and obvious. Breast cancer, a new wing at the Children's Hospital, the Haiti Disaster Relief Fund, a GOAT for World Vision's sponsored child, my, my child used to name Ping Pong, and even a shoebox, true story, I do have a child named Ping Pong. A shoebox serves a specific purpose that is presented to us. This dimension is very obvious, right? It's just right in front of our face. So it's what is here happening on earth, right? In reality of where we're living in, all right? So for example, here at Crucible, what are some things that are overt that, that we tell people to give to, right? This church. Right? The operations of the church, the running of the church, that's one. And second, community engagement projects, like community day. Uh, we had that Good Friday community dinner. So we have those things that are tangible to give to. That's the first dimension. That's what we see right away. Okay. Oh, by the way, notice something, though. What Paul adds here in verse 2. Here, let me say it again. You guys have your Bibles? Verse 2. On the first day of every week, Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the first century budget. (laughs) Get it? It's budgeting. Isn't that what your personal account manager tells you? Set aside some money on here. Set aside some money to pay off your mortgage. Set aside some money for your child's education. Folks, this is budgeting. Paul believed in budgeting. So budgeting is Christian, right? It's a joke, I. So Paul is telling the Corinthians to budget their giving ahead of time so that every time they earn income, they should budget their giving accordingly. Now, as I mentioned way back earlier on a previous sermon on a previous book, I think, Rosanna and I, I told you guys, Rosanna and I budget our giving too, right? An example is that we budget 10% for tithing in our church, 10% on everything that we earn, including our tax uh, return, and then we budget an additional for giving to other charities. So we'd be giving to a charitable cause of one year of uh, when uh, we pray over it and which charitable cause we want to give to. So we budget twice, like we budget offering here at the church and then budget for uh, giving to a charity. So we set a budget, set aside so that we don't look at it. And Paul says, because I want you to set aside so when I come I don't have to beg, I don't ask, and and you guys scrambling for money, right? You already set it aside so I don't have to do it. All right. Enough about budgeting. Let's move on to the next dimension. The next dimension is a little elusive. So what is it? Well, let's go to, uh, if you have your Bible, let's go to verse 13 and 14. It says this, Paul says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Do everything in love. Huh? Interesting, right? That this chapter about giving suddenly turns channels and talks about be on your guard, stand firm in faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. Why did he do that? Why did he say that here? Because then he stops and he goes back into giving in this chapter. He goes and goes and goes about giving, then changes channels, and then do this, and then suddenly he comes back to giving again. That should actually make us go, scratch our heads and go, what's going on? Now, Paul has done this before. Right? And that was during the marriage chapter in chapter seven. Remember that one? It was marriage, marriage, divorce, marriage, divorce, and then suddenly, boom, circumcision and slaves, and then back to marriage, divorce, marriage, divorce. Why did he do that? Why did he put circumcision and slaves in the middle? And then make us go, huh, why did you do that, Paul? And then raise our eyebrows and go, what? Right? Well, like what we did in chapter seven, we realized that he is actually using that passage to actually say, Well, marriage and divorce was actually to address a particular symptom of the condition of your heart. And hence, circumcision and slavery, right? Circumcision and slavery was actually about the Corinthians' need to be holy, to be better than others, to be more spiritual than others, right? I wanna be holy and free. But But then Paul says, you don't need to be. You have freedom in Christ. So then when we read that part, and we take that and then apply it to the rest, like divorce and marriage, we now know why People wanted to divorce because they wanted to be holy. People wanted to get married because they thought that that was a symbol of holiness. You get it? People wanted to, to like uh, go and uh, um, remain unmarried or something, right? It was all the urge to have freedom and freedom that they want, and they want to be holy. So what is the condition of our hearts that Paul is addressing here that giving is a, that he sees giving as a solution for? right? What is the condition? Well, let's uh, read it again. He says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Where have we seen this before in other letters of Paul? Be on your guard, stand firm. Have you seen this before? Anywhere else? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 18. He says this: Finally, be st- what? Strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you the next dimension. This is why he believes that there's more dimensions to what you do here. It's not the flesh and blood that we're battling out. Yes, it is. But also, there's a spiritual realm that we're battling out. So when we're giving, what are we doing? We're addressing some particular issue that's in our hearts. And Paul is saying that you have to stand firm against the devil's scheme. So what is that scheme that that the Corinthians are right now falling into? Well, that's temptations. Remember the whole Corinthian letter, right? What was it really about? The Corinthians' biggest problem was what? To get ahead. They're, They're business professionals. They're young. They're like us, career professionals, and they want to figure out how to get ahead in life. So what it was one of the biggest things back then. We said spirituality. So they went after religions that worked for them, that would help them to add into their resume. The more spiritual I am, the more I could get ahead in life. That was the Corinthian problem. So Hence, it was all about addressing humility, about pride. The whole letter was about that, right? Addressing those things. That was the overarching theme of the Corinthians. To be numero uno, like, and so. Why does anyone, you and I included, want a successful career then? Why do we want a successful career? It starts with an M, rhymes with money. Right? Money! Right? It's money. So, what is the best remedy to provide a counterattack on our temptation to have money, to have more money, to make money as our idol? What is the best way to counterattack that temptation to make money as our idol? You give it away. You follow? You give it away. You give it you know, with a generous giving, with a thankful heart, he says. So in this second dimension, this, this second dimension, two things are happening, right? In this one, the first one in this dimension that it's humbling. As we give, we are being humbled when we give. When we give, we acknowledge that this money is not ours. Everything we think we earn through our hard labor is actually a blessing from God. We're lucky and fortunate to actually even have the opportunity to receive money from what we do. You are very lucky that your resume was at the top of the pile. You're very lucky that the other interviewees had a bad interview day with that interviewer, that you're now in that job, you get it? You're very lucky, you're very fortunate and very blessed that to be actually, you know, that suddenly, for some reason, your your current employer found your resume in the middle of the pile and say, oh, right? What happens if somebody else had a better day than you? Money is not our own. We do not own it. It is a blessing from God. And so as we give the dimension, in this second dimension, one of the things that are happening is the humbling of our hearts. Uh, It's not our own. Unlike Capital Direct's slogan, I don't know if you ever (laughs) listened to their slogan on News 1130. It goes, it's not your money, therefore it's not your house. Don't let it lend a hand. All right, because their slogan is what? It's your money, let your house lend a hand. Okay, you guys don't follow up. okay, forget it. <laughs> Let's move on. Second thing that is happening in this dimension. What is the second thing? Love. What was love again? Not self-seeking, right? Money has a tendency to serve only one purpose, self-preservation. It's to preserve ourselves. We accumulate so that we can not only get ahead but also sustain our lives and lifestyles we choose. When we give generously, we are not only telling the world, but also to ourselves, that our life is not our own. Our lifestyles are not our God. And yes, our lifestyles can be sacrificed, can be sacrificed for the good of others. If love love is not self-seeking, then the best remedy to address the self-seekingness, right, self-seekingness, is to actually give generously in, in thanksgiving, agree? That the more we give, Right? the less that we become more focusing on ourselves. Giving is an act of love. So let's, let's go again back to that chapter, that chapter 13. What is love again? Love is patient. Does money ever nurture patience? How many of you have heard the phrase, time is money, right? Why is it always time is money? It's because it nurtures impatience. We want more now, right, like a child. I want it now, right? In fact, <laughs> Money is just the source of creating all this invitation. Now, kindness. Does money promote kindness when we lose our money? Okay, for for you guys who are tourists, right? Okay, if you go to a restaurant, and and then you you finish your meal, and then the bill comes, and it's suddenly automatically 25% gratuity. You know, it dinged you 25%. You got no choice, but it's 25%. What do you feel towards that waitress? You didn't serve me that well. We don't deserve 25%, right? You know, we do that. We have that mentality, right? Is there kindness in all of that, any of that? No, especially if we lose it. If we lose money for no reason at all, it's unjustified, we get going, oh, that's so wrong. And then we get, be unkind to others. How about envy? Love is not envious, love does not envy. Does money promote envy? envy? Yeah, why else do we want more? I want that. I want what you have, right? So you can see that money does not really promote how we should live in the life of love, right? Oh, here's a good one love keeps no record of wrongs. Has anyone heard of a credit history? (laughs) Right? Like, love keeps no record of wrongs, right? But money does that you have your credit history, you have your uh, mortgage payments, it's just blaringly at the face. So money always says, you owe me, you owe me. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Well, sorry, but the more we want to want more, what do we do? We look for loopholes. Okay, let's move on to the final dimension. Last dimension. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15 to 18, you know what the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they had devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you brothers and sisters to submit to such people to everyone who joins in the work and labors it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunus, and Achaeus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you for they refresh my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. Paul notes that the Corinthians' gifts were also to support mission work, right? Stephanus, those missionaries. The missionaries he mentioned were were Stephanus, Fortunus, and Achaeus, but earlier in this uh, letter, he mentioned like Timothy and Apollos, right? Missionaries. So your two pastors, myself and Pastor Fritz here, we're not just pastors here, right? We have our own uh, uh, mission work to do. I run a marketplace ministry and so does he. I am with Company of Disciples, he's with Leader Impact Group, right? So we too are part of mission work, a missionary in the marketplace. So what is also happening then when we give in this last dimension, there are two things that are happening in this dimension. First, let me repeat what Paul says in verse 17. He goes and says, I was glad when, when Stephanus, Fortunus, and Achaicus arrived because they had supplied what was lacking from you. Hmm. Lacking? What does Paul mean here? He knows that, like the Corinthians, we can't do everything. You cannot do what I'm doing in the marketplace, right? You can't. Or you're just bound by certain constraints time, whatever, right? Or different situations in life. But a lot of us aren't able to do it because of timing or being situated. So it can be a whole host of reasons why you cannot do what I'm doing. There's a whole host of reasons why I cannot be doing what uh, the previous two missionaries were doing over in Taiwan, in rural Taiwan, right? There's various reasons why we cannot do everything. But however, is there a choice not to do it? Remember the Great Commission? Let's go into Matthew 28 quickly. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Does Jesus give an option? Oh, you know, uh, he says, you know what, Henry? Uh, It's okay. You know, if, uh, if you have kids, worry about your kids first when you retire, then go out and make disciples, okay? Or, Yes, I know you're in school, or yes, I know that your bank account is a little bit uh, like frazzled. Get your career going first, and then go out and preach the gospel. He didn't do that, did he? He didn't give us that option, right? He just says, "Go." It's a command, present tense, right now, go. But then Paul is realistic. This is the amazing thing about Paul, and this is why we read his letters. He goes, "I know you, Corinthians, Galatians, Thessalonians, Philippians, right? I know you guys cannot do everything, right? All that is asked." We, you all lack something, lacking something. That's what he's saying, you're all lacking something. But I'm doing it. So when you give to this cause, you are vicariously participating in that mission's work. You follow? Why do I say that? Well, if you have your Bibles and you could qu- quickly turn it, go to quickly to Philippians chapter one, verse five. He says this, because the Philippians, this, this book was about giving was talking about Philippians' gifts to Paul, and Paul was writing back in thanksgiving to them. What does Paul say to the Philippians? He goes and says, Philippians, you're not part of this work. You're not in chains, right? You're not the one who is in chains and getting whipped and everything. But here's what he says. Verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, which means that as they give to Paul, they are in partnership with with him. You follow? So as as my sponsor, donors and people who support both Fritz and I in our work, they may may not be doing that work in the marketplace right now, but when they give, they are in partnership with us. You follow? So that whatever is lacking in them is made up by our work here, of what we're doing. And we give to worldwide missions as well, global web missions as well, because whatever we're lacking that we're doing, we're, we can, may not be able to do global work, but we're giving to the missionaries over there so that whatever we're lacking is made up. You follow it's a partnership, a vicarious partnership. You see, the Philippians weren't there with Paul throughout his journeys, right? They, they weren't the ones who got le- like lowered in the basket, you know, from the wall. They didn't get whipped, they didn't get thrown in prison. No, but because they give to Paul and support the cause and partner with him, they are part of it of the whole thing, and that's what Paul says to make up what you're lacking. So, lastly, 14. I will close with this. Paul says in Philippians, "says this: I thank my God every time I remember you, in chapter one. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel, from the first day until now. Being confident, then, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, this is a very popular verse, right? But now you know in what context, right?" It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am changed or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you, all of you, what what does he say? Share in God's grace with me. Meaning that as you give, he says, Paul says, you are actually completing God's work in you. You have that commission, he says. You have that great commission, but you are also, as you give, you are completing it as well. When you give and partner with others who are doing God's work, you are completing God's work in you until the day of Christ Jesus, which I am thankful for. Because many times, like I may not be able to do global missions. But as Rosanna and I said, like we budget and set aside money for global, like, some global missions, and we give. We are thankful that they are doing it on behalf of us so that they can make up for what we're lacking. OK, follow? In your giving, in your thanksgiving, you are allowing God to complete his work in you until the day of Christ. This is the most important dimension of them all, as we give. When we give, we are completing his work in us. So in summary, when we give generously to to a cause, we not only give to the cause for cause sake, that's the first dimension, we acknowledge that money is not our God, and money is not ours. That's the second dimension. And lastly, we give because we are all partners in the work of the gospel. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and space you have given us and thank you for your word. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters before me that you move them to look at the, seek your advice and see your guidance as to where you want them to give to or who to give to, to support, to partner with. Father, well, you've given us so much provisions to be here, living here in this side of the world. You've given us space to live. You've given us monies to spend to, and to buy food and shelter, etc. You've blessed us with much. Help us, Lord, to not think that that is all our doing. Allow, give us your spirit of wisdom to put that monies for your purpose, for your glory. Humble us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and